1: in Green Bay for the 49ers incredible 13 to 10 divisional playoff win over the Packers and somehow some way the 49ers are in the NFC championship game against the Los Angeles Rams let's talk about it because
0: wow hey this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles
2: Has got him a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops. Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers.
1: Chris, before we get into the game, I need to congratulate you on officially beating the Heat. You were in a place where there was zero, <laughs> there was no heat. There was no, it was a wind chill of zero. The heat was gone. You did it. Congratulations, man. I'm very, very proud of you.
3: So two, two of my good buddies from back home in Santa Rosa actually came out to the game and I was hanging out with them and, and their listeners to the pod. So shout out to uh, Pete and Jeff DeGolia, two brothers. Um, Big fan. And, and they were talking about like, what are you guys going to do for the beat the heat bit this week? And I'm like, maybe we should do like a beat the cold bit. This week because it was cold, cold but to cold? honestly, it was cold, but it wasn't it wasn't windy, and it, it it actually like wasn't even that bad. Like I had a scarf, but I didn't have earmuffs or a hat or like, uh. And I wasn't outside, you know, in Lambo. When you go down there, like I was down there for probably maybe an hour outside, mm-hmm. and like I was definitely cold. Like my face was cold, but other than that, like it was it was bearable. And like people I talked to who were there outside for the entire game, there. He said it was fine like it was chilly but they just wore what they wear like snowboarding or whatever and uh, right and it was pleasant but it was um I mean the, the my takeaway like I'd been to Lambo before but I had forgotten sort of how unique it is relative to other NFL stadiums uh-huh. and like it is so far and away the best venue in the NFL for games like I don't think it's particularly close and it, it would be like if in like major league baseball, there was like Wrigley Field and then a bunch of like Oakland Coliseums almost. You know what I mean? Like the NFL, there, there just isn't a lot of personality and history in the buildings throughout the league. And that's really what makes Lambo unique is that you get the sense of history while you're there. There's the museums, there are statues, there's um, you know, street signs, that's the names of streets outside. There's Title Town, mm-hmm. there's all that stuff. It's just an incredible experience. Um, If you can ever do it, particularly for a playoff game in January. And I, I, there were, there were a good amount of 49ers fans there. I don't think it was anything like Dallas or LA. Right. The previous couple of weeks, but yeah, I mean, just an incredible scene an incredible game. Um, It was one of the most compelling games I've ever covered. And I've been covering games since 2013. And, and, you know, I, I put it up there sort of with the, the Niners Seahawks NFC championship game in 2013, which had been, in terms of like stakes, probably the best game that I, that I had seen, even though, you know, the 49ers lost that game, obviously, but like the only other one that really comes to mind in terms of stakes and maybe aside from the Super Bowl, would be like the saints regular season game in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one, it was just so compelling in the way it, the way it went, how they won the resiliency they showed. It was, um, it was just a, a remarkable win for the 49ers. Like, honestly, I, I tend to think it was, it's the most impressive win of the Kyle Shanahan era. And I haven't, you know, maybe I need to think more about that, but just in terms of how it happened and the way the defense played and everything that, that had to go right for them to win that game was, was just really remarkable. And it makes you believe that, man, this team, this team really has a chance against anybody. And and obviously they've won six straight against the Rams. And we'll talk about that throughout the week. Um, but it was, it was just a super impressive win. And, uh, and I think, I keep thinking back to <laughs> the conversations you and I were having on here when they were three and five and yeah. you know, like Trey Lance and all that. And now it's like, man, they're a win away from the Super Bowl. We never would have thought the that.
1: Resilience, the resilience of the team and the coaching staff to just kind of stay the course and not waver from that. And no, I, I wrote a piece at Niners Wire that was like the Niners are who we thought they were because this is the team that we were expecting them to be it just took them 10 weeks to get there. Right. They are they are a run first defense oriented team with a really good pass rush that is going to shut down even the best offenses and in 2 weeks they faced the number 1 and number 10 scoring offenses in the NFL and given up a combined 27 points. That's outrageous. That's totally like that is if you consider that Colt McCoy and James Conner hung up 31 on this same team in week nine. The the thing was, it was like, can this defense just get to league average where they're just good enough to, 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 if the offense takes off, the defense, isn't going to be a liability. Now the defense isn't just not a liability. It's carrying them. And what D'Amico Ryans has done and what the pass rush has done from, from Nick Bosa to Arden Key on down to what the cornerbacks have done and Emmanuel Mosley coming back healthy and, and Dante Johnson and Josh Norman stepping up last night. It just, it's, it's, if you look at what they did offensively last night, like if you just took the, the game stats and l- you would have thought the Niners lost by 30, they did nothing offensively and they still, they, st- it was, they didn't figure out a way to keep their offense in it. They just won without their offense, which is like, like here's a new way this team can win. Like it all mostly looks the same. Like it all, it all kind of follows the same formula defense run game, da, da, da. but th- it's like, like the Rams game was different from the Cowboys game was different from this game. The general theme is the same, but they're all very dramatically different ways they won. Right.
3: I think what I mean, what really stood out to me, were a couple individual performances. Right. Like, and you know, you, you make the point, which is a correct one, that this team is who we thought they were. But I, there, as the season has gone on, players have evolved and, and taken on bigger roles and been better than I think we expected coming in. And obviously there's Debo Samuel, right? Like coming into the season, we weren't, we weren't going to pencil in Debo Samuel as one of the best players, peer, like players, any position, full stop, players in the league. And Debo Samuels become that guy, right? Another one, like Eric Armstead is playing at one of the highest levels of any interior defensive lineman in football. He has six sacks in the last four games, all must-win games. Five of those sacks came – on third down, including two in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That one that held the Packers to a field goal. Obviously that mm-hmm. take that potentially takes four points off the board in a game. You win by three mm-hmm. and he got the sack on Rodgers on the third down the snap before the 49ers had the block punt that tied the game with, you know, they scored a touchdown off. Of. So, mm-hmm. and you go back, he had a third down sack in Dallas. He had two and a half sacks against the Rams in week 18. in that must win game. He has been playing at the highest the highest level of any stretch in his career and it's not particularly close and you 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 know like it's it's changed the conversation or at least changed the way you view Eric Armstead totally in the context of how we were talking about him relative to the DeForest Buckner trade because Mm -hmm. for a long time even including you know a month or two into the season it was like man that's that trade hasn't really worked out all that well particularly with Javon Kinlaw on the shelf like Eric Armstead's fine, but you're not really getting a whole lot from him in terms of pass rushing production. But now you are. Right. And now it's not just Nick Bosa carrying the load. It's like Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead carrying the load. And now, like, do the 49ers have the best pass rush of any remaining team in the playoffs? Like, it's you, you, you it can feel like a, it. You can make a legitimate case, right, based on how the last few weeks have gone. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about we'll talk about Debo, too, because I have I have Debo Samuel thoughts for sure. But it's it's just yeah, it's it's remarkable. Like the the way the team has evolved and how guys have gotten better um, is really what's what's
1: standing out to me about this season. And just with just to go back to Eric Armstead real quick. This isn't like 2019 where he's getting free runs because teams are worried about Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner. He's just winning. Yeah, like his the third down sack before the before the blocked punt, he just dominated that rep, and was in the backfield before Aaron Rodgers could could move. Right, he, he's been, it's been, when you have to focus so much attention on Nick Bosa, to have another player that you in any other case would have to put two guys on, I don't know how you you slow this this pass rush down, outside of getting the ball out quick. Yeah which I'm not sure how sustainable that is for an offense. Like it's just, it's, it's gotta be a nightmare.
3: And the rushing defense has been really good.
1: Really, really good. Like you can't run on them. You have a really hard time passing on them. It's Fred Warner was great last night. Yeah. Just speaking of individual defensive efforts.
3: Yeah. Fred Warner was everywhere. It felt like. Yeah. And he, he said after the game that, you know, the Packers go down, they have a relatively easy drive. Aaron Rodgers, Uh, completes four or five passes Devontae Adams catches three balls and you get the feeling like man this could be just one of those games but then Fred Warner lights into his teammates on the sideline and just the whole the whole thing changes like the next drive he gets he he gets a forced fumble and then Mm -hmm. the Packers go four straight possessions going into halftime without getting any points. And Mm -hmm. as bad as things were going for the 49ers offense, and it was bad, it was about as bad as it could be at that point, they were still only down a score. Yeah. And there's, you know, the interception at the end of the first half, and you think, oh, man, you know, the 49ers, like this is going to be a one or two score game, and Jimmy Garoppolo just threw another interception in the red zone. Like that's killer. Mm -hmm. That takes, you know, that takes three points off the board. It potentially takes seven points off the board. And you're like, man, that's, that's really crucial. And then late in the game, they go for it on fourth and one, try to cram it up the middle. The Packers completely stuff it. And then you're like, the 49ers in a one score game have turned, have turned it over essentially twice deep inside Packers territory. It's like, there is no coming back from that. And then you get the Armstead sack, and then you get the block punt touchdown. All of a sudden, the game is tied. And it completely flips. It just completely flipped. And and one of the biggest plays of the game, which I'm sure people have talked about, but like the blocked field goal at the end of the last play of the first half with Jimmy Ward coming in there, like mm-hmm. that was enormous. That kept it at seven. Yeah. The Niners got the ball back to open the second half, very first play. And I guess this is a good place to, to transition in the Debo Samuel discussion. First play Debo Samuel returns kick kickoff 45 yards while also destroying Kevin King. On the that side. was
1: in- incredible.
3: And it was just a tone-setting play. Like, the sideline went nuts. And that's just what Debo does. Like, it is... I, I don't know how to, like, make this comparison, but, like, in what George Kittle did in 2019, particularly when he was, like, dragging three guys in New Orleans to win that mm-hmm. game... It feels like Debo does stuff like that every time he touches the ball. Yep. And one thing I'm writing about for the Sacramento B tonight, um, that will be going up at some point this week, is just like, you know, the 49ers gave the ball to Debo Samuel in 20, 2020 against the Rams. It was like third and eight, a uh-huh. running play, goes, gets a uh-huh. first down, seals the game. Last week against the Cowboys, third and 10. Do that, do that you know, reverse sweep thing to Debo. He gets 10 yards, like three inches short of a first down. That would have sealed the game, right? Third and seven, you absolutely have to get a first down or you risk giving Aaron Rodgers the ball back. And they give it to Debo Samuel on a run. He breaks two tackles, cuts up field, gets a first down, ensures that at minimum the game will go to overtime if the 49ers miss a field goal. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's just I've never seen a player like that, like a receiver that you give the ball to on a handoff on third and seven to third and 10, whatever. And it's happened in other games before. And he just wills his way to getting those first downs and making those plays. And it's like, how do you defend that? Like it has got to be just demoralizing. Yeah, Be like third and seven and they're going to run the ball to a wide out and he's just going to break tackles and run through our face. Like it, it's he one of he got those... it.
1: He got it like easily.
3: He got by like four, four, four or five yards.
1: He was two. I think it was third and seven. I think he got nine. But it, it's like they they knew where it was going. They had the play covered properly and it just didn't matter. Well, one thing like you, you said, were... I don't know is a defense what you do like. You look at each other palms up.
3: Well, what George Kittle said, he was the defense was a nickel. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's third and medium, right? Like right. It's, it's definitely a passing situation for a normal team with normal personnel. But because you can run the ball against a nickel defense, like George Kittle said, the, the linebacker linebacker in air quotes that he had to block was a safety. Mm-hmm. So he's blocking a the safety. There's an right. extra defensive back on the field. It's a lighter box. And the more physical team is going to get the running lanes that they need to for Debo. And he's going to be able to break tackles because it takes four guys to tackle him every time he hits the ball. Right. And he he's just turning into such a special player. Like mm-hmm. if the 49ers, you know, win again against the Rams and, you know, Debo's banged up. He had a shoulder injury. He, he had a stinger, he said. And then, you know, obviously after that play, he hopped off the field. Um, with an ankle issue. He said after the game, he'll be fine. He had a slight limp walking into the into the interview room. We'll see as the week goes. Kyle Shanahan will have his conference call on Monday. Um, but you have to regard Debo Samuel as one of the more unique players in 49ers history at this point. Yeah, in NFL history. Because he's he's, I think he's the guy who's most, like when I look back at this season, And what the 49ers have accomplished. I'll look like Debo Samuel will be the guy that jumps out to me in the way that George Kittle did in 2019.
1: He's their team MVP by like a wide margin.
3: Yeah. It's not even close. And just having a weapon like that is just so unique. And it just epitomize like the toughness. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it, it, like that's Debo Samuel embodies the 49ers personality and that personality is what allows them to go on the road and win these games and be the more physical team and be the more the, the, the team that's better equipped in these moments.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And given that the 49ers have been at such a disadvantage, it feels like from a quarterback perspective, the fact that they can make up the difference with somebody like Debo Samuel is just frankly remarkable.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like he's that good of a player. They were, there was such a disparity and Aaron Rodgers didn't play well. And, you know, we can, that was a credit to the defense and the conditions. And certainly, but like Jimmy Garoppolo was not, not doing much of anything. No, right. Like he had a few, he wasn't getting much help in the first half for sure, but he also wasn't, uh, wasn't doing much on his own either. But the fact that the 49ers can hang in these games against some of the best offenses in the league, is just a huge credit to Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan for the way he utilizes him, Mike McDaniel, obviously, the offensive line. Um, It's just been super impressive. And Debo Samuel, to me, is one of the most unique players in 49ers history. And that's saying a lot, obviously, because there have been some super impressive offensive players that have come through and, and played
1: for this team. I just don't know like how you go about defending him because you see him on the field and you see the 49ers are in, you know, three wide personnel and then they motion him into the backfield. And now all of a sudden they have a running back who is liable to go for seven, eight, nine yards every time he touches the ball. I just don't know what you do about it. And, as a as a tone setter, I think that that's always been a little bit the case with with Debo, but it feels like it took another step this year. Like he became so important to them just on the field, like just from a schematic standpoint. But like you said, him burying Kevin King was a very much like, hey, this is a game still. It set the like tone for the Niners are now. the Niners are still out here swinging. Yeah. And I think the entire team, you know, you you may not be feeling great. It's 7 nothing, but you see that happen. And knowing that Debo freaking Samuel is still out here on a kickoff, making sure to bury a guy at the end of the run. Like, he wasn't going to get more yards. Like, still making sure to do that. I think it just... I, I don't want to give too much credit to to one play, but um, I do think that stuff matters. And I don't know if there's any... I mean, we've talked about it before on the pod. Like every every receiver this year that's in the draft is gonna be the next Debo Samuel. Or not yeah. every receiver, but there's gonna be a bunch of guys. Oh, can and it's just like no man, well, probably every not.
3: Re- every receiver is gonna be talked about like how much is how much Debo Samuel does he have in his game.
1: Right. Can right. you
3: use him in that way? And it's gonna be unfair to a lot of these prospects
1: because it's he's yeah. just a he's kind of a unicorn. He is. He's built he's built like a running back. And he's he's instinctual and explosive. Like there's just not a lot of players like that, man.
3: Yeah, and and you talk about the kickoff, like intangibly, it set the tone for the second half. Tangibly, it set up a field goal. They they went and got a field goal after that kickoff. Right. And right. It was a three-point game, you know, (laughs) like you needed all the points you can get at that point. Like points were definitely at a premium. Um, in terms of how you slow him down. I think you devote a ton of resources to him and you just try to slow everyone else down one-on-one. And the problem is you have for defenses. The problem is you have one of the best tight ends in the league and George Kittle and you have Brandon Ayuk, who didn't have a particularly productive game and had a drop, but he's not somebody you can just pencil into somebody you can cover one on one. And then you have Jawan Jennings who's capable of making clutch plays. And you also have, you know somebody like Elijah Mitchell to contend with and now you might even have Trent Williams in motion with the full head of steam running at 15 miles an hour into That was Rashawn oh Gary God. just like Dominic Foxworth tweeted this like I think he was half kidding but I I think there might be some legitimate legitimacy to this in the offseason you might have to change the rules because that's
1: not I a swear dude <laughs> What do you do? Like, seriously, Rashawn and Gary, no, you want to you want to talk about like unique players. There's no other left tackle in the league capable of doing that.
3: Rashawn Gary was dominating Tom Compton the entire game. It was a it complete was, mismatch. Yeah. And on that play, Gary's locked up with Tom Compton and they're kind of at a standstill. Gary's trying to, you know, hold his hold his ground because the run's coming his way. And Trent Williams, with a full head of steam, <laughs> just decks him while he's engaged with Tom Compton, like,
1: and got Compton out of there too.
3: <laughs> and another guy, like he hit, he hit Gary and got to another Packer at the next level. And it was like an incredible play, an incredible block, an incredible idea to make him, you know, it was, just, it was third and one or whatever to to make Trent Williams an eligible receiver on that play. So you can do that with him,
1: Trent Williams, H back.
3: But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But if you're the league and you're looking at that and you're focused so much on safety, like, man, to be a defensive lineman who's already locked up with an an offensive lineman, like Tom Compton's like 6'5", 6'6", 310, 20 pounds, whatever. He's a big boy. To be locked up with that dude and then to just get decked by Trent (laughs) Williams running at full speed, like, that is is a hazard. (laughs) That That is a serious safety issue.
1: They're going to, they're going to eliminate, they're going to change the rules. So like just Trent Williams can't report as eligible. I mean, yeah, I don't know how, (laughs) like if you're, if you are X size, if you're above six, four above 265 pounds and have a spark score in like the 96th percentile, you're not allowed to go in motion or something. It was just as soon as wrinkled. So as soon as he lines up as the as the like fullback on that play, he's like, Oh, that's kind of fun. And then he goes in motion. It was like, oh no, like this <laughs> yeah. is oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> like, like is is there anything more terrifying in the league if you're a defensive player than like you're engaged in a block and then Trent Williams is sprinting straight at you?
1: No. It's like... slut. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Like I said, he's the only left tackle in the league. A, capable of athletically doing that. And B, having the size to like every left tackle is big, but he is uniquely large. And I just, the the 49ers, if he can play in the championship game, I expect them to do that multiple times. Because what yeah, do you do? Be, that, yeah. What do you? How do you defend like you can't you're not just gonna go oh let's put a body on him right
3: he's the biggest dude on the field right who's also running like a four seven or a four eight or whatever it is like it's completely obscene
1: (laughs) that ultimate not the like the behind the line view of it is so funny it's so funny
3: yeah I, I just feel extremely bad for anybody who has to be on the other side of that but it speaks to like, the Niners, it's just the physicality element of it. Like, there isn't a more physical team left in the playoffs. Nope. And I don't think it's particularly close, right? I I don't think so. Even, like, Emmanuel Mosley had had a couple nice hits on uh, – I think he had one on Aaron Jones and he had one on – One on Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Aziz Alshire, just every single tackle he makes feels like like, like a really big hit
1: yeah he's just shot out of a cannon at all times and just
3: drilling people mm-hmm. um the night i thought the niners linebackers as a collective played really well not just fred warner too. but the fact you do have dre greenlaw and Aziz
1: i shire now um greenlaw was all over the place too yeah and not ripping at face masks unnecessarily good adjustment by him <laughs> suplexing guys good midweek adjustment
3: yeah um jacquaski tart had a nice game mm-hmm. uh you know, Jimmy Ward obviously had the, the blocked field goal, but I thought, with, with the exception of the long play to Aaron Jones, um, was that the end of the first half? I'm blanking. On yeah, head. that was
1: after that was after the interception. Oh, right. So that came before because not the... only did he throw the pick, yeah. the Packers. So this is when this is the like one time I really thought like, oh, this might go really south. It went Jimmy interception. The Packers get no yards on the first play. Niners call a timeout. The Packers are going to let it run out. And then they get pressure on Rodgers. He finds Aaron Jones wide open. And it's like, man, this is a minimum 10-point swing. Yeah. Or a minimum 6-point swing. But possibly 10. And possibly 14. Like, that just makes the interception that much worse. And then they didn't give up any points. Because it was the weirdest 49ers game of all time. It was definitely one of them. So...
3: Kyle Shanahan takes heat, I think rightfully so. Like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan had a great start to the season. Mm-hmm. And how we want to look at that, you know, retrospectively, do we blame him? Do we blame the players? You know, the NFL is weird. Practice times weird. The, you know, COVID stuff, like sure. teams generally treat the early part of the season as sort of an acclimation period in a way that might be different. Than seasons prior, a lot of people talk about the, you know, September being an extension of the preseason, whatever, whatever. There were people and and they were not correct at the time. And they're definitely not correct now who were saying, you know, is Kyle Shanahan the right guy for the job? You and I criticized Kyle Shanahan, but we never talked about him in those terms. Like he would be fired.
1: That was always crazy.
3: Two NFC championship games in a three-year stretch.
1: With, with a not elite quarterback with a middling quarterback a
3: quarterback who will be top 12 to top 26 on any given week right right like he's not that's hard to win with it's it's it certainly decreases your margin for error Mm -hmm. um but now like kyle shanahan's body of work and the context of what happened during those losing seasons like not having your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's I don't want to say unassailable cuz he hasn't won a super bowl but like right. All of the stuff like is Kyle Shanahan the right guy for the job? I think you could just completely throw that discussion out the window.
1: Yes. Yes. Like you can quibble with things in game, time management, play calls, etc. but the guy is well above 500 when he has something more than Nick Mullins at quarterback. And now he's four and one in the playoffs and yeah. two and O oh, and two and O oh with a team that was three and five after nine weeks. And I think that's a credit to not only, not only, I mean, it's a credit to the players first, but a, what D'Amico Ryans and and Kyle Shanahan have, have done Uh, just on the field but be the 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 culture that they have instilled over the last four or five years a lot of teams you lose the Colt McCoy at home you're three and five and now you have to play the Rams the next week on Sunday night or on Monday night football they are packing it in yeah and laying down and the Niners not only didn't lay down then but find themselves in the NFC championship game
3: It's, I mean, you lose, you know, we hadn't seen it for a while, right? Like, even when Jim Harbaugh was here, it wasn't like Jim Harbaugh was losing players or losing coaches from his staff to go be head coaches elsewhere. I know Vic Fangio ultimately became a head coach, but there weren't like his staff wasn't getting pilfered by other teams. And now what you see is, you know, Kyle Shanahan loses Robert Sala, he promotes from within. And D'Amico Ryans. He doesn't have to go outside the building. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, D'Amico Ryans is one of the best coordinators in the league.
2: Yeah.
1: And he I'm had like a an inter- legit head coaching candidate.
3: He had a head coaching interview with the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. And what he's doing, you know, like Jimmy Ward said after the game yesterday, that they confused Aaron Rodgers with the way they were disguising
1: coverages. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Like Aaron Rodgers. They were confusing Aaron Rodgers with the way they were disguising coverages. And there were multiple not, times. Well, it's, it's just not, the, we know the talent at cornerback is not great. I think you feel pretty good about Jimmy Warren, Jaquaski tart, obviously, but generally about the cornerback situation, you don't feel great. Like Dante Johnson in a playoff game.
1: Yikes. And, and what happened? Like nothing really. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? I think he got, I think he got beat like on the first, on the first drive once.
3: But, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers had no touchdown passes for the second time in 21 postseason starts. Man. Right? De- Devontae Adams, Adams,
1: nine catches, 90 yards. Yeah, nine catches, 90 yards. Alan Lazard, one catch. No other wide receiver had a catch. Yeah. Randall Cobb got targeted once. And that's a testament partly to the pass rush, but partly to what you just talked about with with what D'Amico Ryans did, disguising coverages. I thought Troy Aikman and Joe Buck real quick did a really nice job last night. And Aikman pointed that out. There were several times where Rodgers would start to get into like his throwing motion. Like he's going to get set and he's just going to lob one up to Devontae Adams, but there was safety help that he wasn't expecting to be there. And so now he's got to pull it down reset his eyes. And by when you have to do that against this Niners pass rush, you're done. You don't that's, have time to get reset and get to a second read. Yeah. And that's what
3: you hear it. And it sounds like a football cliche when you hear it, but you hear players and coaches talk about tying the pass rush and coverage in together Mm -hmm. when you disrupt the timing from like a quick three-step drop and you force a quarterback to double clutch, that's how you do. That's how you tie it together Mm -hmm. because the coverage is in a space where the quarterback can't get rid of it. And that allows the pass rush to come and be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one thing that the 49ers have done really well over these last few weeks. Mm But I mean, Aaron Jones, nine catches. Devontae Adams, nine catches. That's 18 completions. Rodgers completed 20 passes. Alan Lazard had one. The other one was Mercedes Lewis on the pass that Fred Warner or the play that Fred Warner stripped him for the fumble. So like it's how wild was it that the Packers were six-point favorites going into that game, knowing that it was going to be single digits. And knowing that what the just what the conditions were going to be in general, like against one of the probably the hottest defense in the league at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think people just look at the 49ers cornerbacks and just assume their defense is bad. Yeah, and even like cursory research just says it's not like you watch it. The eye test says they have a really good defense. You look at the regular counting stats, any analytics like. They are just good, right? They are really, really good. So good that like the 49ers (laughs) play a style of football that makes the quarterback not matter. And let me rewind. You mean defensively? No, I mean, just kind of their team in general. Okay. Okay. Because they can have a game like last night where Jimmy Garoppolo is just kind of non-existent. And on a couple of throws he did make, a couple of big throws he did make, the passes got dropped. But their defense is good enough to figure it out and keep it close enough that a punt block for a touchdown kick starts the comeback. Right. And I just... I, I'm trying to figure the 49ers out. Because in the context of the modern NFL, they don't make any sense. <laughs> well, we just got done. We're recording this Sunday night. We just got done watching the Bills and Chiefs. Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my God. Where they scored football. like 25 points in the final two minutes. That was football porn. It was un. It's unbe- It was unreal. Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds left, two plays, gets his team in the field goal range. And like watching that's what like the modern NFL is now. And the 49ers are just over here doing their own thing and kicking ass while they do it. Yeah. And it's, you want to contextualize the 49ers and go, okay, well that's not a very good team because they have the way worse quarterback. Right. You want to say the, the quarterback is too important of a position. And if it's Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo, you like Aaron Rodgers. If it's, if it's Dak Prescott against Jimmy Garoppolo, you like Dak Prescott, but that's not how like the 49ers just flip that on its head because they're going to make your quarterback mediocre and they're going to put Jimmy Garoppolo in positions where he doesn't have to be great. He just has to make a couple of throws that he's comfortable making. Yeah. And it's just why like, I had a thing before the playoffs. I was like, I'm just going to bet on the better quarterback every game and see how it goes. But you can't do that with the 49ers. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Quarterback play doesn't matter. That's my take. Your thoughts.
3: <laughs> Quarterbacks don't matter. Quarterbacks, Quarterbacks have been running don't back. matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's a good point. And I mean, he, the difference between the 49ers offense and like the Bills and the Chiefs right now is everything is very within structure with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And because he, he's not the guy who can take a five-step drop and then scramble around if guys are covered and the pass rush is coming and make throws on the run and do all that stuff that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can do, you mm-hmm. need the quick hitters. You need uh, You need to rely on the running game and pre-snap motion to put the defense in bad spots so you create open pockets on the field to where those throws become easier for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Mm-hmm. And so when when you have a very good understanding of what Jimmy Garoppolo is good at, which clearly Kyle Shanahan does, mm-hmm. and you have an effective running game, you can operate within those parameters. You can say, we're going to fake Elijah Mitchell this way. We're going to have Debo Samuel coming the other way. You're going to have a linebacker in safety leave their spots because they're worried about those guys. And then all of a sudden that creates an open lane for George Kittle. And that's just the design of the offense. And Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo can see that in a couple of seconds and then get the ball out mm-hmm. whereas what you saw in the chiefs game it was like all right josh allen takes a snap makes three reads oh pass rush is here now i need to scramble oh now i need to turn around and run like those are all things that jimmy garoppolo can't do and and even the more macro point out of all this is that that game like all not all i could think about but one of the major things that stuck out to me about watching pat mahomes and and josh allen was like that's why the 49ers drafted trey lance yes that is they understand what the future of the league is and they know who they have to beat to win championships because it's going to be one of those guys coming out of the afc or potentially Mm -hmm. joe burrow who's more like traditional pocket set whatever but by and large, you're probably going to have to beat one of those guys and be able to make mm-hmm. plays outside of structure. And Jimmy Garoppolo is limited. Like it just, we said it over and over. When Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback, you, it just shrinks your margin of error. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing complementary football, like the 49ers are, and I know it's like a cliche or whatever, but you can beat anybody in any given week and maybe there's an expiration date on that in terms of how deep you can go into the playoffs and maybe you know if you do run into Patrick Mahomes again in the super bowl those contrasts are going to be very stark as they were mm-hmm. the last time they, they they met in the playoffs but like and you know I'm, and and maybe it shows up again uh when they play the rams again next sunday but i mean to your but, point it's remarkable what the 49ers have been able to do with pretty limited quarterback play relative (laughs) to what the other elite teams in the league are doing at the position.
1: Yeah. And it just, they, they turn every game into a rock fight. And it's like, if you can beat them playing their style of football, then cool. Or if you can nullify their pass rush and expose any flaws in the secondary, cool. Like you did it three consecutive games against three really good offenses, by the way, those teams has not been able to do it. And if it's close at the end of the game, like you feel really good about the 49ers offense right now. It's just, it, like I said, it just does not make any sense. And someone texted today to say, Hey, what's your feel on the game next week? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the Niners to beat the Rams six times in a row. Fine. But I can't, I, I don't know what to make of the 49ers because logic in the modern NFL says they should have lost a long time ago. They probably shouldn't have been in the playoffs, is what logic says. And then they certainly shouldn't have gone in and beaten Dak Prescott and then absolutely not have gone in and beaten Aaron Rodgers. But here they are <laughs> because why not?
3: Can we talk about the block punt? please might be the
1: most what if i said no, <laughs> no. Like, well, mm,
3: me asking out on the block is, is, is me saying we're transitioning to the block punt. got it okay cool <laughs> it's a it's a, a friendly way, way. <laughs> okay sure 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 go ahead. like i said i've been covering the team since 2013 i've watched a lot of 49er games that might have been the most stunning play i've ever seen in person covering the team like out of nowhere <laughs> we get and it maybe cover the team but but no but i mean like maybe like you know this was before i was covering the team and it it's not it obviously went the other way but like kyle williams in the nfc championship game against the giants like stunning yeah. right you're like wow yeah they just lost because of that right. this was the other way and it never you know the 49ers had hung in the 49ers kept it a one-score game. They had the block field goal. They there were some benchmarks where you're like, all right, the game hasn't gotten away from them. They're still right. in range. Mm-hmm. But it felt like the Packers were were kind of dominating. Like the Packers defense was more or less dominating the 49ers offense. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, this is somehow the 49ers are still in this. And then just like that, out of
1: nowhere, the game's tied. I wasn't even I wasn't even looking at the TV. <laughs> I turned to I turned to my fiance because I figured, like, look, here was here's the way I was looking at it. If you block a field goal in a game, you're not blocking a punt. Because no special teams unit is so bad that you let a guy slip through to block a field goal that you'd also let a guy slip through to block a punt. I was wrong thinking that. Yeah, because the Niners, the Niners get the sack. Eric Armstead gets the sack and the Packers are going to punt and they're going to, you know, kick the ball and then the Niners are going to take over. So I turn to my fiance to say, hey, because we we're going to doordash last night. I was like, hey, we should probably doordash something. Are we going to order? And then I hear Joe B- Joe Buck say it's blocked. And then I turn and look and the players, it's so funny. I don't know if you've seen a replay yet or if you could tell live, but it looked like a video game when they only programmed the players to do one move in the event of a loose ball and they were just all like every player was doing the exact same like where's the ball move yeah at the same like in unison it was so funny and then to have the ball bounce up to Talanoa Hufanga where he could just grab it and run in like you said it was unbelievable like I I was aghast
3: it was stunning, and what was crazy about it was the context of what the, like the 49ers special teams being a disaster all season. <laughs> right. Just last week, they had a fourth <laughs> and 20 against the Cowboys, and Mark and Zatcha goes in and nails their punter, and it's an automatic first down that would have been one of the biggest plays in the game had the 49ers lost.
1: Yeah. And then gave up a fake punt right? first down
3: right and they gave up you know there was i think it was against the vikings the um the kickoff return touchdown and then it was against the seahawks they had that disastrous fake punt that went for 70 yards and a touchdown yeah like it was special teams has been a disaster for the 49ers all season and i don't think that's hyperbolic
1: no just a total total uh disaster is a good word
3: and and the The discussion coming from Kyle Shanahan, which he admitted to after the fact, was that he just didn't want to lose games on special teams. Right. He was just like, I just don't want our special teams to be so bad that it costs us games. I just want them to be fine. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he was just. Taking a very hands-off approach when it came to it. Just like, whatever. We're not. I mean, they don't run any fakes. They don't really do anything super unique from a special team's perspective, right? Nope. So Kyle Shanahan's just kind of like, I just wanted to be solid. All I, I want to play, I, I really want to play good offense. I want to play good defense. Special teams just don't kill us. Right. And so, you know, the the talking point after the game from them was that, you know, the Packers special teams were so bad that Kyle Shanahan on Tuesday told the guys like we can win this game on special teams Mm -hmm. and they did it and i don't know if you saw but jordan willis on the fake field goal chops the hand of the guy who's blocking him which prevents him from getting out to block jimmy ward and then jimmy ward has the free lane to go block the field goal totally
1: incredible play
3: and then Jordan Willis sneaks in to just get his fingertips on the punt. And it's the biggest play in the game. And it like Jordan Willis was not even supposed to play because he had a high ankle sprain. And that's like a yeah. four to six week injury. Right. And, it, and Jordan Willis, of all people, I don't even know if we've mentioned Jordan Willis's name on this podcast. All year. I don't like off the top of my head. I'm not even sure. mm -mm. but responsible for the two biggest special teams plays of the game and he wasn't even supposed to play because he was hurt. Yeah. It it was, I mean, just, it was, the game was just so compelling and the way they won it was so impressive. The conditions, Mm -hmm. the opponent, I mean, the number one seed, the presumptive MVP in the league, you play so bad offensively, like you're more or less a zero offensively. And to go in and win that game the way they did, like to me, that's why it's the most important, the the most impressive win of the Kyle Shanahan era.
1: They had no business winning that game. It didn't feel
3: like it for for 85% of it.
1: But they they got the stops. Like the, the biggest play to me was the, I think it was, was it Eric Armstead that had the sack that forced them to kick a field goal? Yeah. Um, instead of a touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter. And that's a heat. Like, that was... Because if they go down 14-3, to three, I think there were, like, eight minutes left. Yeah. Two touchdowns? Like, no chance. Yeah. But they were going to have a hard time scoring one. So, I just... I think that that the fact that it just never... It felt they never needed a miracle to come back, yet they got kind of a miracle play with the block punt touchdown. But, um, it's just resilience, man. They've just kind of been that all year, and they figured out a new way to win. And it's just like that's what good teams do. They're just really damn good.
3: You've seen it, right? Like, and we've mentioned this too. Like, you've seen wild card teams like the Giants. Um, when they played the Patriots and, um, you know, there are other examples too, where it's like, it's not the dominant force of a team that always cruises through the playoffs. Sometimes it's just the team that gets hot. Right. And sometimes getting hot can be, can make you more dangerous than having the better roster. Right. Like the mentality of, we have to go on the road. We have to band together. Nobody's expecting us to win. We're six point underdogs in green Bay against a team that when we were at full, you know, the Niners would say Mm -hmm. when we were at full strength in 2019, we dominated that team. Right. Like the Niners Mm -hmm. would, would say that. And, you know, they lost by three points or they lost on that last second field goal in week three. And like, but that was a very different version of this team. And it's, it's, it's just very, it's different. And Fred Warner said it after the game, like it means more to go in as an underdog and take that from somebody Mm -hmm. rather than being top dog, having home field advantage Mm -hmm. and then being on the other side of it. So there's, you know, it's very different from 2019. Um, But for this particular team, I think it, it helps them. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why, I mean, I think people, people sort of don't have a great view or like, don't, they underrate the 49ers because of what happened in September and October.
1: Yeah. I think that's right. You
3: know, it's like, yeah, well, they were three and five at one point and ultimately ultimately three and five, that three and five start is the reason why they're the six seed. But if you go back, it's like, well, they're nine and two otherwise. right? Right.
1: They've been really good for longer than they were bad.
3: Right. So it's, um, yeah. You want to do pick six?
1: Yeah. Let's get to pick six. Tyler, do the Boop. Boop. That's me dropping the thing.
2: And that's a pick six
0: for the 49ers.
1: Alright, pick six. Every week in our preview pod, Chris and I each pick three players. That's six. That's where the fit gets its name. We pick three players. We think Need to have an impact on Sunday's game or on that week's game, or will have an impact. And um, that's the bit. First pick this week. I had the first pick. I took Debo Samuel, not his biggest game statistically, because 10 carries for 39 yards. He also had three receptions for 44 yards. Just, a, I mean, it says a lot that he can have 83 yards from scrimmage with a big kickoff return that we already talked about. And it's kind of like, Oh, just kind of a ho-hum game from, from Debo, but he was really good again. Yeah. And he I mean, had the we, biggest we about him, big but third just, down conversion. Yeah. I don't have a lot more to say at this point. Yeah. He's,
3: he's well, there was, okay. Wait, so we could talk about it this way. There was a report from me and Rappaport over the weekend about um, the 49ers are going to make a mega deal as, you know, a priority in the off season, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I think going into the year, you're like, well, he has a pretty lengthy injury history going back to college. And then you look at the season he has, he's a first team all pro he's what third in the NFL in yardage. He sets records for receivers with rushing touchdowns, just like one of the most unique players that we've seen. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And it's on the surface. You're like, yeah, he's, he should probably get, amari cooper money right like 20 At million years yeah but on the other hand you're also like well he's a running back kind of do we he's pay- more of a
1: receiver than running back
3: well right but they're using him a lot as a running but like do you pay debo samuel 20 million dollars to take carries and be a running back and i'm not saying you don't necessarily but i'm just saying it's a it's it's a unique discussion because frankly like if i'm paying debo samuel 20 million dollars I'm probably limiting his carries.
1: Well, I think that Debo Samuel has a case to make the Levy on Bell argument. Yeah. Like, yeah, pay me as the top player at my position, but also sprinkle some in because I'm mm-hmm. one of the top players at this other position. Right.
3: So that's going to be very. He interesting. could
1: argue for twenty three or twenty
3: four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting because the cap doesn't spike.
1: Super fascinating.
3: Um, the cap's not going to spike this offseason. The cap's going to spike next offseason.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, do you, you know, how does that work? Because you're probably going to have to backload it. And if you backload it, there's probably more risk involved because of the injury stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be saddled with a terrible contract if Debo Samuel, you know, is breaking down later on in, in the contract. Anyway, um, so I, I thought we should at least mention that. And it's a different way to talk about Debo. Uh, okay. My second or my pick, my first pick, second overall, I picked Elijah Mitchell. Um, not a great game, but not a terrible one. <laughs> 50, 53 yards, 17 carries. The Packers did a really, I just, I, I thought the Packers defense played really well.
1: Their defensive front was excellent.
3: Um, yeah, there wasn't much from Elijah Mitchell in this game to, to really talk about.
1: You had that one run where I think it was Kenny Clark got in the backfield like really quick and he did a nice spin move. Yeah. And that to me was like the quintessential Eli Mitchell run where it's like, oh, this is minus one yard. Just kidding. Six yard game. Right. He does that a lot. Right.
3: I wonder like it feels like every run that he has is a toss now. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Like I know he's good at it obviously, and they're good at blocking those plays, but, like, do you want to mix it up more? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. But, yeah.
1: Your next pick. Alright. Third pick. My third pick overall, my second pick, George Kittle. Shout out to George Kittle, who set a career high in yards in a for yards in a playoff game with 63. Oh, wow. I would not have guessed that. That's a good note. And that is... I think not great that his career high for a playoff game is 63 yards. <laughs> but sure. I mean, you think back—they haven't played a ton of playoff games, and he he didn't put up big numbers against the Cowboys, and then he didn't have any huge games at any point in the 2019 run. Still awaiting the huge George Kittle playoff game where he has multiple touchdowns and 100 yards. I think he would have scored that touchdown had
3: he not dropped do pass. Yeah. I agree. He either would have outran the guy or he would have broke that tackle. Cause you're not George Kittle with a full head of steam. If you're not in front of him, I don't think you're breaking the tackle or you're no, making. I, the tackle. I, um, I thought
1: I on replay, I didn't think it was going to be a touchdown on, on the live shot, but on, on replay, I think he was gone.
3: He would, he's super banged up. It feels like. I agree. Like George Kittle, Trent Williams, Debo. Jimmy Garoppolo, but you couldn't really tell like visually from Jimmy, but like Mm -hmm. Debo Trent and Kittle all just like keeled over in
1: pain after a lot of plays. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was a play where Kittle like spent a lot of time on the ground after the play. And yeah. And he he does a thing where you can like like, hear him getting up, like, oh, like, yeah. He's like (laughs) screaming at himself
3: and he like, he hits himself to like psych himself up. He's, He's a unique character for sure, but he's definitely going through it. He's Um, a very interesting person from a physical standpoint. Uh, Fourth pick overall, my second pick, Nick Bosa, two sacks. Great Nick Bosa game.
1: He was an incredible Nick Bosa game.
3: He's very, very,
1: very good at football. Great. He's great at football. Just ridiculous. The the first sack he had where he ran down Aaron Rodgers from behind yeah. was just a sick play. I, I don't know, I don't know how many defensive ends have the wherewithal to A disengage from their block, but B then have the athleticism to run down the quarterback and dive and trip him up before he can even get to the line of scrimmage. It's pretty sick.
3: So I I wore five layers pregame or Mm -hmm. i mean i was in five layers for most of the game the the evening but when i went down to the field i made sure i I had my jacket which was my fifth sure right thank you nick bosa goes out to warm-ups in his standard one little tank top cut off whatever and shorts and just warming up casually in 10 15 he's got the face mask on total maniac just a maniac
1: and i asked him but
3: he wore shorts to his post-game press conference (laughs) like it's one thing for guys lunatic guys like before game warm-ups like all right i'm getting used to the cold i'm gonna be sleeveless whatever Mm -hmm. everybody in post-game is wearing jackets and beanies and trying to be warm most is in like a hoodie and shorts (laughs) and i'm like dude you're from florida like i literally asked him this i was like how does a guy from Florida just become impervious to cold like this? And he was like, well, I did spend a few years in Ohio. In my head, I was like, I spent a few years in Ohio and I'm freezing. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm, I'm only going to be outside for a couple of seconds to get on
1: the bus. That's a good point. Whatever, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa by himself might win you this week. He was really good. Um, my third pick my final pick and fifth overall was Arden Key who had uh, three pressures three hurries a couple of tackles not a not a great game but just kind of a pedestrian Arden Key game not as good as Nick Bosa it turns out yeah
3: I don't remember Arden Key doing much at all me neither in this game and that's not to say he wasn't I mean, the thing is, is, like, you can point to, you know, you could say individual performances, whatever. Like, these guys weren't great. I think Kwan Williams got picked on a little bit, and he was, like, the only guy that really stood out in terms of, like, somebody getting picked on in coverage. Mm-hmm. But, like, you went to Lambeau and, and held the Packers' offense to 280 yards or whatever it was. So, like, you're kind of picking nits if you're, like, you can't really say anybody who played defense or the 49ers. Like, oh, that guy was trash, you know? Yeah. So, yeah um 263 yards excuse me of offense for the packers
1: um i'm trying to look up hey i uh i was reading the wrong thing arden key did not post a statistic okay he had one tackle okay well that is a statistic a pass rushing statistic got it
3: fair um all right my last pick was emmanuel mosley And. I mean, man, just talking about limiting the Packers offense overall, like good game. Yeah, he had a couple of hits. He wasn't
1: you know, he wasn't he never got cooked, really. It felt like pro football focus has him down for one catch for two yards on one target. Doesn't get a lot better than that. It's pretty good. He's a good player.
3: He's he is a good player. I think he's a good corner Um, if he can stay healthy and and you know he'll be you'll have him cheaply next year right Um, and if he become if he gets better and turns into like a real quality starter then you're talking about Emmanuel Moseley becoming expensive after that Um, right the cap will spike at some point Um, but yeah I mean like 263 yards to the Packers offense like that's you will take that eight days a week. All right, so you had Debo, Kittle, and Arden Key. I had Mitchell,
1: Bosa, and Mosley. Your two defensive guys were really good. You win this week. Okay. Like, Debo and Kittle were fine. They had had good games. Arden Key didn't do anything. Eli Mitchell did more than Arden Key. Nick Bosa might have been the best defensive player on the field, and Emmanuel Mosley gave up one catch. Yeah, I mean,
3: Debo to me is just the way he does it is just so impressive. Like I just, yeah.
1: Oh no, it definitely is. Um, I, the, one of the things I talked about a lot going into the game was the Niners having to limit, having to limit the Packers, other receivers. And that was such a, like, that was, I think they the biggest reason for their success was, you know, they limited quote unquote Devontae Adams to nine catch for nine catches for 90 yards. And then like we talked about one catch for a receiver. Otherwise, that's just a stellar job by them. Quite a game. Initial thoughts on the matchup with the Rams.
3: And we'll do we'll do lots of podcasting this week to talk about it more in depth, but Rams beat the Bucks. Rams blew a 27 to 3 lead. Bucks came back to tie it and then the Rams hit a field goal as time expired. Um
1: what are your thoughts? Uh, part 3. <laughs> Like I don't. The Rams were playing really well. They looked excellent outside of the sequence where Bucks field goal to make it 27 6. Cooper Cup fumble. Um, Bucks touchdown to make it 27 13. Matthew Stafford fumble. Tom Brady fumble. And then they snap the ball over matthew stafford's head because he wasn't ready for it i think that's how it went It was just an like just an unreal stretch of like oh classic rams mistake oh there's the rams again they just couldn't get out of their own way i saw
3: sean McVay's post-game speech on uh on the internet not in person and um He was talking about like how resilient they were and like how they came back from adversity and all this stuff. And I'm like, they jumped out to a 27-3 lead and almost lost. Like, like if I'm the coach, I'm pissed at them. And I'm like, guys, if we're gonna go to the Super Bowl, we need to be a million times better than we were today. And I get like the positivity thing as a coach. It was like resilient. It was like you didn't come back from a 27 3 deficit. You blew a 27 3 deficit. Right.
1: Like that game should
3: not have been close. We were watching it. Tampa Bay had no juice today. It felt like
1: they looked so. It was, it was, had they come back and won, I was going to be really confident in the 49ers because their offensive line looked so bad. Yeah.
3: It was yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, the Niners have won six straight against the Rams and. We'll see. The Rams took the, the, the Rams took the bold step of preventing any, anybody from out from a, with a billing address from outside the uh, L.A. area to get tickets. I'm sure that's totally going to stop Niners fans from getting down to SoFi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: If you manage to get tickets to the Rams game and you don't live in Southern California, hit us up on Twitter at Kyle A. Madsen and at Chris Biederman. <laughs> Let us know how you circumvented that system.
3: It's funny too, because like I don't know anybody even like Niners fans getting tickets to Niners home games who get tickets from the team like directly. It's just
1: a, And that's just embarrassing. Like I get that like, Hey, that's probably just a smart thing, but it's not going to work.
3: Right. And it's just going to become it's stupid just, social media fodder, which it already is. Like we're talking about it. Right.
1: Right. Right. And, but you've now put the spotlight on the fact that like, Oh crap. Like nobody shows up to our games. We need to take measures to make sure that opposing fans can't get into the stadium because that's how easy it is. Like there's how few Rams fans show up to games.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, it's they've got Yeah, did God. I'm expecting it to be at least fifty percent
1: Niners fans. At least. It's gonna be it's gonna be unreal. It should um, probably be a 49 ers home game.
3: Rams are favored. What, I... like. what was by the four. opening line? Three and a half. Rams four? by four. Mm-hmm. That didn't make sense to me. It was. I saw four when they were dominating the game, and then the fact that they almost lost. On top of the fact the forty ers have won six straight. On top of the fact they played three weeks ago, and the niners won. After the Rams blew a seventeen nothing lead, like. Felt a little tad disrespectful, but to the Forty ers But you know, whatever. We'll see. It's going to be a fun week. Brent Williams um, banged
1: up. Debo Samuel banged up. Rams are at home. I mean, no. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'll,
3: I'll, I'll be going on the road again. For,
1: uh, the line I'm seeing now is three and a half.
3: Yeah, I would. I think that's probably going to be like two. By the time Maybe. Sunday comes, I I think a lot of money is going to come in on the Niners. Maybe. Anyway, we'll talk about That'd that as the week goes. I'm sure Kyle is going to line up some awesome guests because that's typically what he does. Fingers crossed. Um, knock on wood. And yeah, thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hey,
1: if, you, if this is your first time listening to the pod, uh, do us a favor. Hit subscribe.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and if you have friends who are Niners fans, send them a link and tell them to subscribe because uh, we like doing this. and We want to start uh, expanding some stuff so um if you guys could do that that'd be awesome and rate and review also unless you didn't like it then skip that step but still subscribe even if you
3: like hated this pod (laughs) like car like karma you know i am kind of a believer in karma like if you hate the pod you don't have to listen again but like subscribe and just like hit five stars it doesn't cost you anything
1: yeah and you're helping us out
3: yeah and maybe it'll come down you know pay it forward and it'll come back around and help you out in some someone
1: yeah totally we'll put positive karmic energy into the universe for you
3: that's what we need we need more positive energy just overall in society
1: posi vibes tv
3: <laughs> all right we'll be back okay, with goodbye everybody with, we'll be back with another episode way early in the week at some point we'll figure it out but uh keep your eyes <laughs> okay. on the feed and uh on our twitter feeds and all those things and we will talk to you guys later